0: And if you would, grab your Bibles back to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter, uh, chapter 6 tonight. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. Ladies, I don't know if he did that on purpose, but he gave you guys the sinful Verse. Oh, your sin, a little red light crimson. And then, guys, he gave us the, on his strength, divine relying, and put down all of our pride. That's what he had to do right there. So I, I don't know if he planned that, but you ladies are sinners, and we're too proud, gentlemen. So uh, I, guess, I guess that's what he was going for. Uh, but I'm just kidding. I don't think he planned any of that. He was just hoping for a break for his voice, I think, is what happened right there. Um, yeah, he looked at me and said, they're playing the last one. <laughs> and he was scrambling for a song, and I said, I just want to sing 824. So, And he said, okay. So that was nice of him. So he was nice to me. So if you don't like that one, you got problems anyway. So uh, just enjoy it. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, last message, hopefully in the series, unless the Lord gives me a seventh chapter to the book of Galatians, I'm not planning on doing another one. So... Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, we'll get started. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Let him that is taught, or uh, I'm sorry, for every man shall bear his own burden. Uh, I'll pause right there tonight. Uh, So we've been talking through the book of Galatians. We've been going through, uh, right? And we started in chapter 1 with the true gospel. And Paul straightening out some things there. And then he gets into our liberties in Christ in chapter 2. And he builds off of that idea by letting you know that the just shall live by faith. And the liberty that you have is based upon your faith in Jesus Christ and what He allows you to do and how you believe in uh, his leading. And then uh, he gives you that liberty and that living by faith because you've received the adoption of sons that we talked about in chapter 4. And we live that life as the adopted sons of God. We we live that life as uh, in a contest of the faith versus the spirit. We talked about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit and the differences and, and what's going on and how to how to maybe gain some victories and not live with the works of the flesh, but instead try and walk in the Spirit so that you don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And you get to chapter 6, and I personally think it's just the conclusion here. He's kind of, he's taken this entire five chapters of trying to get them to recognize and to realize some things that ultimately the flesh is not the way to go. And all the people that want to put you back under the law and put you back into circumcision and put you back under all those things that he's been talking about for the last five chapters, they're worried about the flesh and the constant of the flesh and the flesh and the flesh. It's all the outward and the fleshly things and the things that uh, they want to be—you know get everybody to see. And if you've done these things, then you should be all right. And he hammers it again one more time at the end of the chapter here, but... Over and over again, he's talking about the flesh versus the spiritual walk and the salvation that you and I got throughout the book, really. And he's winding it down now, and he's, he's really wanting to bring some things lastly into focus. And so uh, tonight we're going to preach the conclusion in Galatians chapter 6. And uh, just three things, and I don't want to be long. I know we got a business meeting afterwards and uh, all those things, but I just want to take a little bit of time tonight And uh, just talk about three things that I see, three sections here. uh, And we'll start here in verse 1 through 5 with the first. And I think the Apostle Paul wants us to recognize there ought to be a care for others. As we get down to the conclusion, there ought to be some care for the people around you. Uh, He mentions it at the end of the last chapter. He says, if we live in the Spirit, in verse number 25... Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. He cautions us in the last chapter not to provoke and not to envy. And then he turns to the next chapter here and he says, uh, okay, now this is what you should do. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll just see uh, just the conclusion of the book of Galatians. Father, I thank you for the night and I thank you, Father, for being able to sing, uh, Lord, in the choir singing tonight and those Uh, gentlemen playing tonight and just what a wonder it is to have a wonderful God that will save us and keep us and is always faithful to us and father comes through over and over again regardless of what anybody else might say father you are a faithful and a wonderful God and so father I do pray tonight that you would do so again you'd be faithful uh, father to me to help me be able to preach with clarity of thought and mind and say what you want me to say without distraction and without leaving anything out and not adding anything of my own. And Father, I pray You'd help us to get uh, exactly what we need so we can praise You and we can finish up, Father, our race with joy, uh, Lord, as we go forward. And Father, once again, we pray You'd bless everything that's said and done this night. In Jesus, our Savior's name, amen. Amen. So you get to this first, this first section here in verses 1 through 5. We already read it. I won't read it right now again. Uh, and He's talking about the care for others. And he starts off talking about this man overtaken in a fault. Uh, He's got this fault. It's it's broken. Uh, There's something not quite set up for him. Uh, You think about earthquakes and, and, you know, we talk about the San Andreas Fault and different things like that. There's a fault. There's some sort of damage that's weaker than everything else. Uh, And the brother that's overtaken in a fault, he's got this weak spot that he keeps losing to. And he's overtaken with it. And he reminds us that uh, if there's a brother overtaken in a fault, uh, don't go to provoking one another like he was talking about in the last chapter. He says not, not provoking one another. You don't want to do that. Uh, don't go poking away at the fact that they can't get their victory. Uh, don't, go, don't go pushing them down. Don't go talking to everybody else about their failures. Uh, it's not the pro- that's not what we need. They don't need somebody to hurt them anymore. They need somebody to bear their burden. And so the first thing he wants you to, to have is uh, a care for the other. Recognize you don't need to bring up everybody else's problems. All right? you, you don't need to tell everybody else what's going on in their life. Uh, if they need help and they, and they ask for help and they want to talk to somebody, then let them talk to somebody. Uh, if you want to be able to reach over and help them, go ahead and reach over and help them. But you don't need to grab 10 other people and go, hey, pray for so-and-so. They're really struggling with this. Uh, they don't need that. They also don't need vagaries in your prayer request to somebody else. Uh, I hate that. Oh, pray for so-and-so. Uh, just pray for them. Well, what does that mean? That they got hit by a bus? Or that, oh no, they just got problems. What does that mean? <laughs> and then you let their mind do all the work. And you leave it up to their vain imagination and let's face it, all of us go to the worst place we possibly could. Why are you going to do that to a brother? You shouldn't do that. Uh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't open-end it like that. Uh, you pray for him. You, you keep it in your mind and you keep it in your heart and you go ahead and keep praying for them. Uh, but the first thing about this care is you've got to do it carefully. Uh, if you're going to restore somebody, if you are going to help somebody, he reminds you at the end of the verse, he says that you're supposed to do, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So, number one, you got to have some humility to help somebody else. You can't, th- you can't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, he says there in a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you can't be thinking of yourself as somebody so great. Well, I'm going to, don't worry, I've got these great victories. I'll, I'll help you out, brother, because I'm so amazing. Uh, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, you've automatically disqualified yourself from helping anybody. Uh, there's a spirit of meekness. You realize Jesus Christ was meek. Moses was the meekest man in all the earth, he says. Those, those men, you realize Jesus, the meek and lowly Galilean, really, Jesus is meek when? When he threw over the tables and he started whipping people with a whip that he made of his own, own accord? That didn't seem very meek and lowly right there. But he was meek when he was helping. Oh, there he had to go in with a strong hand. You realize Moses is so meek, that uh, when Miriam and Aaron go up against him, in the exact chapter that verse is referenced, Miriam and Aaron are standing there in front of him, accusing him of of taking liberty. Well, Moses isn't the only one that God speaks by. He talks to us, right? Moses, Moses is the only reason Miriam doesn't die of leprosy. Why? God straightened them out. Moses never had to straighten them out. Cora, Dathan, and Abiram come up. They're going to go up and rebel against against uh, Moses. They're going to go ahead and take things over, and they're going to be the big shots. And God says, and Moses says, "Okay, well, we'll just let's just see what the Lord says about it." Moses, why don't you just have them struck down and dead? <laughs> oh, because he's the meekest man in all the earth. He wasn't looking for glory. He's so meek. He said, you know what, Lord, why don't you blot out my name and save them? Isn't that what he did on Mount Sinai? Well, you blot my name out, you can go ahead and save them, take me. Said, what is that? That's humility. Well, now that most of us are disqualified, let's keep going. Because he reminds us, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Why do you have to be meek and humble about it? Because if you're arrogant, you're not going to notice the danger. The danger is considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. All flesh is grass. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. It's normal. Temptation is normal the lust that is in your flesh, the things that we were talking about last time in chapter 5, over and over, all those sins, you go, well, those are so wicked and they're terrible. Yeah, but you're wicked and terrible. I'm wicked and terrible. We can can go to the same terrible places that somebody else does. And to notice what they're doing and to be drawn away is very easy. And you've got to be careful. That's why it's got to be a meek, hey, Lord, I know I could fall. Don't let me fall. I want to help them. Right? You're working and you're reaching down and you're reaching down into that hole and you're going over and they're pulling down. you got a chance of slipping. The ground gives way under your foot. You lose your balance a little bit. Next thing you know, you're down in the hole with them. you got to be careful. But you ought to have some care for others. Be careful, but you still need to care. Now, maybe you're not the one to pull them out, but maybe you could go to them and say, hey, brother, I know you're struggling with this. Hey, I know this is a problem for you. Hey, I know know you're dealing with it, and you're having your struggles, and I can't help. I don't know what to do for you. Say, what's that? That's meekness. Telling somebody you don't know how to fix it? I don't know what to do. Maybe we can go find somebody, and I'll go with you, and we'll help. Find somebody to help you. Maybe let's go talk to pastor. Maybe, hey, I know so-and-so went through these same things. Maybe we could go talk to them. They got through it. Maybe they could give us some stuff, and maybe we can help. I don't want you to go alone, but I don't have the answer. Okay, that's not a problem that you don't have the answer, but you could help them. By what? Encourage them to find help? That sounds so basic. Yep, it's basic. Because you know what they need? They need verse number two Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Say, what's the law of Christ? Well, you jump back there into the book of John and a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. (laughs) It's a love to bear the burden of somebody else. That's not to be taken lightly. To go ahead and have their problems be your problems? Their cares and their concerns and their issues become your issues? Because you want them to have a victory? Help them carry the load that they can't carry because you know they're, they're crushed by it. Even if it's just to carry them over to someone else because you don't have the answer. It's carrying a burden. And it's helping them to see they need help with the burden. The burden that is supposed to be shared fulfills the law of Christ. Not only do you have to be careful about it, you have to carry it. Because if you don't carry it, nobody else would. That person will be done. So this seems kind of rough. Only because you're thinking of people who are struggling. You think about people struggling, you say, who? Lots of people. There's no shortage of people messed up right now. We're in a country filled with people that are just messed up. They've got problems. And then they're getting more problems. And their problems put them into more problems. Because they don't get out of the first one and they just keep (laughs) nosediving. What does he want us to do? Go ahead and carry the burden for him for a moment. Until when? We'll get to that. He gives you a second caution. In verse number three. For a man, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. That's a caution to the guy who needs help and a caution to the guy who's helping him. That's a caution to both of them. The one guy, he's struggling with it, but he doesn't want to get any help. So he's like, no, no, I got this. Everybody else is looking at you and you look like you've been overtaken. Mm -hmm. Something has run you down and you have been overtaken. (laughs) And you go, well, I don't need any help. Okay, well, then there's no help for you. Which is why if you think you're something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. You don't have it. You don't have it under control. On the other side... You've got the guy who's going to help, and if he doesn't come in meekness, he's deceiving himself. I'm fine. I could never be tempted by that. Well, now you're not in the right place again. You've deceived yourself into thinking something that isn't true about yourself. Man, at his best state, (laughs) is altogether vanity. Even at our best... We're a vain show. We like to act like everything's under control. Even when inside, nothing's in control. Say, what is it? It's a vain show. You have no control. We go back to the Sunday school lesson this morning and Job, and Job has no control. Hey, Job, if you could take care of this, you could save yourself. Job can't take care of it. And neither could you. We can't take care of it. So we go to the one who can. But we do it knowing in meekness, knowing either I need help or I need to help him and I could fall. Help me not to fall. Verse 4, he says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden." i got to hand the weight back over eventually. got to give them some time and find out if they can carry it. Find out if it can go back to them and they can carry the load. Uh, load testing. Load testing all the time. The Lord does certain things, right? We're supposed to be built. We're supposed to be structured. We're supposed to be made. We're supposed to be on a foundation and we're supposed to build upon it. And Christ is the foundation, there's no problems with the foundation, but what we build is the problem. We don't build it right, we have problems. And Lord has put us into a body that is supposed to function properly, and when you get put into the body of Christ, and you're getting used, and you're getting all the things that He wants you to do is put in place, as you start growing, if you don't grow right, you'll end up with a fault. And the fault could bring you all the way down. But if someone could come and bear the burden so that you could remove the fault area and rebuild it properly, well, then there's no problems. And then you can bear the own burden that you were supposed to have. See, the, the object isn't not for somebody else to carry your burdens until the Lord comes back. <laughs> Every man must bear his own burden. Somebody else can't carry your load forever and you can't carry somebody else's load forever either. People try all the time. You watch them and they self-destruct because now two people are down because one guy wouldn't figure out his problem and come back and take his load back. All the weight drops onto one individual and the two that are supposed to be working is now down to one and the one's not going to hold that forever what needs to happen? You need to be able to get them to the place where they hold their own. Restoration. Uh, I could do this, I could do all sorts of analogies, right? You're restoring cars, you're restoring a house, you're restoring, what are you doing? You're trying to put it into usable form again. It got out of usable form. Well, now what do I want to do? I want to restore it. To do what? To put it back where it was in good, best condition. Make it usable again. Make it so that it is worthy of what is supposed to be happening with it. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And He wants us to be a part of that. Because if you have a care for others, you'll want to help them be restored and not rejoice in them falling. As Paul's summing up, he says, hey, if we're, walking, if we're living in the Spirit, if we're walking in the Spirit, we're not desirous of vain glory. We're not you know, beating everybody down, right? We're not provoking one another and we're not envying one another. Instead, we're grabbing somebody that we see is falling and we try to hold them up and help them get stable again. We have a care for one another. I'm going to move on because I don't want to be long. But verse number six. He says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the spirit shall the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now here He reminds us we have to have a care for others, and then he reminds us, hey, there's consequences for your actions. There's consequences. What you do has consequences. And so, uh, this goes goes to, even early in the chapter, this goes to the man who's overtaken in a fault. Hey, there's consequences for your action. You're going to crumble. Hey, uh, so-and-so who doesn't go in meekness and doesn't consider himself, and he doesn't do it carefully and cautiously. Hey, you're going you're to reap for the actions that you commit. It's sowing and reaping. It's the law of sowing and reaping. He first mentions giving, that communication, giving. Uh, somebody who's done one thing for you ought to be communicated, ought to be given back in another form, at least. Uh, you know, you have somebody working at your house, they work, you pay them. <laughs> they work on your car, you pay them. You go to work for somebody else, they pay you. It's the exchange. Here it was the spiritual things. Someone sows in the spiritual realm. They taught you in the Word. You communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. You take care of the preacher. And then he says, and be not deceived, God is not mocked. Now, direct context is, if you don't take care of the preacher, God's going to know. You're just taken from him. And, and you're doing what, what you shouldn't do. But he says, be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever. Now he's going to broadband it. <laughs> God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What you put in the ground is going to come out of the ground. That's always a guarantee. You don't, you don't get something you didn't put in. And the Lord watches you plant and watches you plant. Now, the caution is, uh, we understand we're sowing and we're reaping. And he gives you the two consequences. For that last chapter, he's talking about the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, and the fruit of the Spirit is this, and you got one or the other. He says if you sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. All right, back to the last chapter. You want to walk in the flesh? You want to do the works of the flesh? Go ahead. But you're going to reap corruption okay you want to walk you want to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh and you want to have the fruit of the spirit you will reap life everlasting Uh, what what is amazing about God is that he has all the power in the universe to do whatever he wants to and all he does is tell you this is what you have and these are the consequences of what you'll do I'm not going to make you do right I'm not going to make you do it wrong Instead, I'm going to tell you, if you do it wrong, this is the consequences, and if you do it right, here are your blessings. Then his hands are off. That's amazing to me. (laughs) He doesn't make you do anything either way. He just says, this is how it is. I can bless this, and I cannot bless that. I'll curse that. Now, you pick a side. You do it the way you want to do it. If you want my blessings, this is how you do it. If you don't want my blessings, do it whatever way you want. It kind of goes along with something you heard this morning from Pastor's message. You want to do it your way? That's fine. But understand you shouldn't be complaining to God about what you reap. The sad reality is mankind wants to go, hey, uh, I want to do it my way, and I want it my way. And pastors have been preaching about that too, take, take. Anyways, I'm just going to hit all your messages, so that's easy. Um, and, right, I want it my way, mine, I, 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 me. Okay, do it that way. Well, God, how come you did that to me? O whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You did it your way, you did it to you. You can sit here all day and go, well, God did all these things to me. No, He didn't. You did it. He told you the consequences. He told you options. You chose what you were going to choose. And in doing so, you're reaping the benefits or the failures of choosing to not do it His way. You're reaping corruption. You're watching it, and it's blowing up in your face, and you're going, I don't understand why the Lord's not blessing me. Okay? Okay? Uh, Maybe you should rethink about what you've been putting in the ground by all your works. What you sow you will reap, and you won't make a fool out of God. You can you can show up here over and over again and you can fool everybody else in the auditorium. Everybody in the church might not know what you do. Lord knows exactly what you do. He's watching the seeds go in the ground. And you push those things in and you put the next one in and you put the next one in and you go, I haven't reaped yet because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. The hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil continually. You've decided you want to do it your way. Okay, well that's what you'll get. But instead, you know what he tells you? Verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. He exhorts us instead to do right. Oftentimes we pound away, like I just did, on the negative. So here you go. I'm going to get a little positive for you, all right? When we do it the right way, though, you reap from doing that too. The sad truth is, we remember when we're reaping for the bad things. We remember the troubles and the trials and the problems that came, but you forget the blessings of a holy God who gave them to you when you were doing it the right way. You don't remember the times when you didn't have to deal with something. When, for some reason, your brake pads lasted way longer than they should have and your tires didn't seem to ever wear down. What does that have to do with anything? Uh, Isn't that the blessings that the children of Israel got when they were going through the wilderness for 40 years? Their foot didn't swell, so their shoes fit. And he kept the clothes on their backs when it should have deteriorated down to nothing by then. All those aren't much blessings. Okay, go find out for people who don't have anything. The blessings are replete if you trust him. Not only in this life, but in the next. (laughs) Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. We work for Him. We we lay up our treasures in heaven, and you know what you'll have? You'll have life everlasting. It'll be everlasting rewards. It'll be things where you and I cannot fathom, and I've talked about this a little bit before, and I'm just going to kind of breeze through, but... Uh, You realize, I don't know. Uh, You know, he says that we get gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, and he puts it through the fire and so on. Now, maybe I'm weird. Okay, I get it. I'm strange. But have you ever thought about this? What are the streets paved with in heaven? Gold. Uh, What's the foundations made out of? Precious stones, right? Twelve precious stones going down. Uh, what do you need gold, silver, and precious stones for? Those are pavement. Say, what's he doing? I have no idea what that means or what it will translate to. I think it's better than gold, silver, and precious stones. I just think he can't tell us how it works because we wouldn't understand it. So you know already did? He gave you something you'd understand. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Why do you think that? Because I think he's not giving me stuff I can pick up off the ground. I mean, you're, I, I just, that's the way I think. I could be totally wrong and it might be gold, silver, and precious stones, literal, and everything's great. I don't care. If that's what it is, I'll take it. We're good to go. I just, in my brain, I can't reconcile that. Uh, as two separate things and so I look at it and I just say you know what I don't know what that is but I know that means that the value of that is far more than gold, silver and precious stones if he's paving streets with that and the glory that shall be revealed it's not worthy to be compared with our sufferings here the glory that we get there, the things that we get for just doing it the way he told us to do it and reaping the benefits you get benefits here but you get benefits way more there Just by doing it his way. And he tells you, hey, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing right. I'm going to simplify that right there. Don't be tired of doing it right. Say, oh, I don't want to pick up my Bible today. It's boring. Don't be weary in well-doing. Why? For a new season, you'll reap. If you faint, not. Well, you know, I I just don't feel like going out to the street corner. I don't feel like passing out a track to anybody at the store. I don't feel like dealing with anybody. I don't want to deal with somebody else's. I don't want to bear anybody else's burdens. Okay? Well, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. The exhortation is keep doing right. Why? Because the blessings of doing right are multiplied the longer you do it right. You realize uh, I've done this over and over again, so I'm not going to do it again. Uh, But my 242 policy, right? Two months, someone gets saved. They start living right for two months. They do pretty well. And then they get tired of doing right because they're not reaping any benefits too much that they can tell. So they get tired of it. And they're like, it's just, I got all the same problems I had before. I'm going back to my old life. It was easier, blah, blah, blah. And they leave. And then they start reaping benefits. You say, from what? From the two months they did right. The Lord doesn't squash them like a bug when they walk away. And they're out for two months, and all of a sudden, two months later, the blessings run out. And they go back to reaping for what they've been doing, and they can't figure out why. And they last two more months, and they're like, man, I better get right with the Lord. And they come back to church, and they show up, and they've been out for four months, and now they come back, and they'll be back for two months, because they can't figure out yet that the benefits of trusting Him and following His leading Will start showing up if they would just be not weary and well doing. You say, yeah, I haven't gotten victory over that. I keep trying and I keep trying and I keep trying. Keep trying. Why? Because you'll probably gain a victory if you'd faint not. You'd get the blessings. Be not weary and well doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. He wants to exhort you to do what? To do right? And to do good unto all men. Verse number 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Paul comes out with his conclusion here, and he's saying, hey, have some care for other people. They're going through it. Don't knock them down. Try and help them stay up so that they can stay afloat. And then he says, uh, not only that, but remember, there's consequences for your actions. If you don't want to do it right, if you don't want to help anybody, if you don't want to do the right things here or over there, Lord's watching, He knows you're not going to make a fool out of him, and what you sow to the flesh will the flesh reap corruption, you sow to the spirit, you'll get life everlasting. And don't be weary, doing it right, and do good on all men. Do it right. And then finally. Verse 11, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon, all, upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And Paul concludes, and as he's concluding this, uh, he, he reminds us that we ought to be crucified to the world. He says in verse number uh, 14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. What does that mean? That means that the world counted Him dead and He counted the world dead. <laughs> no holding in there. Now, you say, why is that? Well, for the same reason that He started the verse. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's about who's getting glory. It's about who's getting the glory. Who's getting the praise? Who's who's the one who's getting getting looked at as being amazing? You see, uh, you look earlier in the chapter, uh, verses 11 to 13 there that we just read. You look back at those few verses. Why? Why do they want these guys circumcised? Uh, That they may glory in your flesh. Well, see, now you're following the law. You did it the way that we wanted you to do it. Well, circumcised doesn't profit you anything. The law doesn't profit you. They don't even keep the law, he says. They want you to get circumcised, but they don't keep the rest of the law. They don't care. They just care that you do it so that they can glory in your flesh. That you physically did the work that they wanted you to do. Just a big opening, open show. Just a big vain show. There we are. We're back to it. Vanity of vanities. Here we are. Just another vain show for everybody to look at. And they're trying to glory in it. Oh, see, I'm better than you because I do these things. Okay, well, if you want to glory in your flesh, feel free, but it's not about your flesh. There's a reason He reminds us to crucify it. I am crucified with Christ. I die daily over and over again. Mortify the deeds of your body. Put it to death. Reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. I don't know how many references we need. Uh, He wants us dead. Our flesh is supposed to not have those desires and not to be leading us in our desires. It's supposed to be our flesh put down so that the spirit can have life and do what it needs to do. It's the new creature that he references. In Christ Jesus there is ne- neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. say, what, what is that? That's a new creature that avails. That's the thing that accomplishes what we want. You say, what's that new creature? That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the, that's the new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. That new creature is all things from God. Making it possible for you and I to not have to worry about the flesh and not glory in what we have done. Now, I'm not going to brag, or uh, Brother Netterville is not going to brag about himself. He's just not, it's, it's not how he is. I've met him, I've talked with him plenty of times. It's just not how he is. That guy's a soul winner. You want to know why I wanted him to do a soul winning class? Because that's what he does. Uh, he deals with people Constantly. Uh, and he's great at it. Uh, I've seen him a little bit here and there, and I and he talked to me, and Brother Ed Schweitzer talked to me. And I'm going, This guy, he's he's got some things together that I want to learn. Now, oh the associate pastor of the church wants to learn from somebody else about soul winning? Doesn't he know everything about soul? Nope. I don't think I know I don't think I know everything about soul winning. I felt so inadequate teaching the preaching class at last this last time. Uh, just say why? Because I don't know everything about preaching. I'm not the best, best preacher in the world. You can forget that idea. I'm not the best preacher in this building. The truth is, the Lord will bring people into your life, maybe help you learn some things that you didn't learn. And he's not going to glory in his flesh. You know what he's going to glory in? He's going to glory in the fact that he has a savior. What do you think he talks to them about over and over again? He doesn't say, oh, I've done this a lot. Don't worry, I've got this. It's not how he is. It's not about our... It, he can go ahead and brag about how many people come to the Savior because he's amazing and he's led all these people to cry. He doesn't care about those numbers. He told me, brother, I'm really glad I went home because we saw five saved. That's what he told me about it. We, we got to see five come. He goes, I didn't deal with all of them. We just, our church went out a couple times, and we got to see five people saved right here on the streets. It was unbelievable. Lord just had it timed up for me. You know what he's doing? He's going, Lord I had it timed up. I wasn't planning on going home. I went home and He gave He gave us five at the church, just, just on Bible days. You know what you could try? You could try glorying in your flesh. I made all those things work. I was smart enough, I was good enough, I'm amazing. Yeah, except that you don't get any increase without the Lord giving the increase. You just don't. You could try and glory in the flesh, it's not going to work. You could try glory in about the world. But that's why the world is supposed to be crucified unto you. It's not about the world. The world passeth away. <laughs> and the lust thereof. All this stuff's going to be gone. Eventually, God's going to take this place and melt it down. And it's not going to matter anymore. One of these days, if the Lord doesn't sound a trumpet, I think He's going to real soon. But if He doesn't, and we're still here for another hundred years, everybody in this place is going to be passed on. We're all going to be gone. What are we taking with us? Nothing here why I told you to lay up treasures in heaven. This world is not worth it. The lust of the the things the world does to allure you and to pull you in and to get you thinking about anything else but what He asked you to do comes in and you know what it does? It starts drawing the glory away from Him. It starts drawing the glory that you're trying to give. You're worshiping at those things. I mentioned it in Sunday school, those The idea that I could get wrapped up in the idea of all these conspiracies and all the pieces and all the things moving around, you can get wrapped up in that really fast. If you're any type of guy who's trying to figure out what's happening and going on in the world and you start digging, you're going to find it. It is not hard to figure out. But if that's all you're thinking about, you know what you're not thinking about? You're not thinking about going to a Bible handout. You're not even thinking about grabbing a gospel track and handing it to anybody that you saw. You're not thinking about stopping and talking to somebody and asking them if they're going to heaven or not. You know what you're thinking about? Hey, I wonder if they know that this thing's all. Because that's what you think about. Say, what is that? That's the world. And it's stealing all the glory. You can sit here and monopolize upon all the things that you have seen in the world and all the things that are going on. And you can do all those. You know what? It's passing away, it's going to go away. And if it doesn't die before you die, you're dying and you're going to heaven and it's all going to be over with and the Lord's going to look at you. And you're going to have reaped what you've sown. And too often we let the world interfere with us living a spiritual and a spirit-filled life. But instead, it's all about glorifying the Savior. It's not about the flesh, it's not about the world, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Why do we do what we do? Why should we walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Why should we live up to the liberty that He has given us and not use our liberty as an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another? Why should we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? Why should we show up and do what we're supposed to do? Why should we be good unto all men especially those of the household of faith? Why? Because that's the thing that gives Him glory. That gives Him glory. It doesn't glory, it doesn't give me any glory to do the right thing. It just means I wasn't doing the wrong thing and getting punished for it. Now He may bless me for it. He may do all these great things for me, but He's doing those great things because I gave Him glory. It's His glory. Jesus Christ talks about it and that the Son might be glorified in Him and that He might be glorified. It's about His glory. The entirety of the book of Galatians, I think, is concluded in this. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. These folks have been dealing with people who have come in to give them this doctrine of turning them, and you need to do all these things, and you need to add circumcision onto salvation, and all this other stuff. You know what he's saying? He's saying, no, you just need to glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the thing that saved you. It's the thing that will keep you. And it is the one thing that you need to keep proclaiming to a lost world. Say, what is it? Glorifying Him. Tonight, let's just give Him some glory. That ought to be our motivation. You say, when I live in the flesh, what happens? You don't give Him glory. Yeah, but what if I grow and I start walking in the fruit of the Spirit? Then you'll give Him glory. Why do you do what you do? What's the motivation? Tell you what, a good one would be that you could glory in Him. That you should glory in what He has done, what He is doing, and what He can do. And one day, what He's about to do. Take us home. That'll be the conclusion of the book of Galatians. Father, I do thank you for the night. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you that you are a wonderful God. And Father, we so often don't care for each other. We so often don't recognize the consequences of what we're doing. But Father, oftentimes we don't give you the glory you deserve. And so, Father, tonight I pray you'd help us to just take a moment and examine what we do, why we do. That Jesus Christ will be praised. Lord, we pray once again you'd come back soon to take us home in Jesus' name. Amen.